Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Monday, October 24th, 2022. And as we have been, we continue our catechesis in the Gospel according to now. <laughs> Genesis, the book of Genesis. And that's um, rich in Gospel. This is kind of a... Um, I want to say it's wrong, but it's certainly, uh, it's not the fullest sense of the word gospel uh, to only ascribe it to the uh, first four books of the New Testament. Anyway, uh, Luther himself even called um, Isaiah the uh, the fifth evangelist, the, f- the fifth gospel teller. So, regardless, uh, we'll hear a good news today from, uh, recorded by Moses, from the flood. And let's see, everything, um, all the media from yesterday is available, so you can go uh, watch that on uh, Facebook, YouTube. YouTube is preferred probably because it, it's everything's broken up into separate videos. You've got the Bible study, the sermon, and the complete service available um, there. Of course, podcast as well, if you prefer to listen, which is my preference, actually. It's not always much to look at, uh, but certainly prefer uh, to listen to those things. Plus, uh, the podcast players, you can have it play at a faster speed. <laughs> Uh, for those of you, you know, with uh, the attention, can pay attention to things going a little bit faster than normal. All right. So those are all options for you. The links are available to you down below um, if you're watching today or listening today. All right. Let us begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, new memory verse for the week. John 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, John 1, verse 14. The Word, ah, definitely a typo there. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, so the word is personal there, Jesus. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So now we have the Logos, the word being identified as the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the purpose of the word um, becoming man is to bring grace, that is God's good um, favor, his unmerited but gracious favor, and also the truth, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Right? Only begotten, of course, is a technical term that John's using there, and it gets picked up, of course, in the creeds. Um, and uh, monogenes is the Greek, if I remember correctly. That's the uh, the only generated. Uh, it doesn't have quite the same sense as being born, right? Born of the Virgin Mary, begotten of the Father from eternity, born of the Virgin Mary, right? Um, so to be begotten means to come from um, and yet, without beginning. So it's it's trying to describe the uh, inner relationship of the Holy Trinity without departing into myth, legend, or just error, 
um, but also trying to say what the Bible does say about the Son um, being um, equal to the Father with respect to his humanity, less than the Father with respect to, or excuse me, to his divinity, less than the Father with respect to his humanity, to quote the Athanasian Creed. All right. It's a little bit challenging, um, but we want to keep these things clear so that we don't say more than the Bible says, but we don't say less either. Okay. So, only begotten. Monogenes, now you know. The Greek. Our psalm this week is Psalm 2, one of my favorites. Anytime I um, despair of the state of um, state, national, or international politics, I remember this psalm, and uh, you do well to do so as well. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel again uh, together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Excuse me. Here we go. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest you be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, so so much good in that in that psalm, just gets to the heart of it all, right? Um, the nations, what they aim to do, and trying to break free of the Lord and His Anointed One, Christ, so the Father and the Son, um, is is laughable. God laughs at them and holds them in derision and brings His fury upon them. And it's in the Son, it's in Jesus, who of course is Lord of Lord, uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? Right. And ultimately, Jesus will bring judgment upon all the rulers of this earth. Right? And so then there's that warning to the rulers and kings of the earth, regardless of whether they believe or not. Um, you can actually see this play out um, in the history of the exile in Babylon, and really even in the exile in Egypt, that the Lord holds in derision those who rebel against um, his word. Right? Whether it's Pharaoh, or it's um, Nebuchadnezzar, or it's Cyrus, um, or it's even uh, Pilate or Herod, right? Yeah. Kiss the sun, lest you be angry. Good. Our catechism for the week is the second article of the Creed. We already confessed it, so uh, let's just confess the explanation now. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. All right.
Very good. So our uh, first reading today is continuation from John's Gospel, John chapter 3. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim, because there was, no, there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you to have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and, and all are coming in him or to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. What a beautiful confession from John, right? I've come only to deliver Christ, to prepare the way, right? To make straight the, the paths, to quote Isaiah. Right? And there's this similar conflict um, that Jesus has and when he sent, in Luke's gospel, when he sends out the 12, or excuse me, sends out the 70, right? And then they come back and they're like, well, there are other people casting out demons who you didn't authorize. And Jesus says, leave, leave them alone, right? Um, they're doing the work that the Lord has given them to do. Um, same thing here, right? Um, Jesus is out baptizing, but you're the Baptist. <laughs> or at least that's what we call him. And he says, wait a minute. I was only preparing the way for him. And now that he has come, what, what need of of me actually is there, right? Now that the bridegroom is here for the bride, what need is the friend of the bridegroom, right? He can just simply stand back and rejoice um, at the bridegroom's voice. That will all come out again on Sunday. Uh, we'll hear it in this coming Sunday's gospel lesson. All right. And then we continue our reading from Genesis now, Genesis chapter 9. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth, and all on all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply in it. Then God spoke to Noah, and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you, and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be, 
when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. And Noah became or began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and become, became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem and may Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years. So all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. All right. So the first part is probably quite familiar. The second part may be less so, so we'll talk about both. Um, I left the second part off with the children, just in the interest of time and also in the interest of propriety, but we'll talk about it here. You're all very mature people. All right. So how did God bless Noah? What's the word of blessing again? God declared, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, just as he did back at creation. Now he does after the flood. Why? Because he desires life to abound in the world. He's the God of life, right? Yes, he brings death, but, he, but that is his, what we say, his alien work, right? His proper work is to bring life, forgiveness, life, and salvation. What was new about the relationship of men and animals after the flood? We talked about this last week a little bit. Yeah, now the animals live, live in fear and dread, man. Why? <laughs> I would suggest uh, because every moving thing that lives, verse 3, shall be food for you. Right? So, of course, they're going to be afraid. Um, what in specific was forbidden here to Noah and his family, to the people after the flood, that they would not eat the flesh with its life, that is, with its blood, lifeblood, right? And there's more talk of blood. There's lots of blood in this story. We sang a lot about blood yesterday too, right? What does God demand? When blood is shed, then God demands an accounting, right? And so verse 6 is advocating something that uh, we've grown, um, well, a distaste for, for the most part, although it's still true federally and in some states. We have here God describing, according to his law, one of his earliest articulated laws, right? Capital punishment, a life for a life. I've talked about this before, tooth for a tooth. Right? When blood is spilled, then um, blood is taken. Right? If an animal takes a human's life, then the animal forfeits its life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right? Man to man, man to human. Right? Why? Because they are made in God's image. Right? And this is what God demands. Uh, meaning, it's also acceptable under the fifth commandment. So sometimes people say, um, they do the same thing with war, um, that war is a violation of the fifth commandment. Uh, perhaps, sometimes, uh, individual acts within war. Right. Um, same thing with um, the state killing um, people. 
Sometimes they do so um, in violation of the fifth commandment, literally murder those who are like their opponents. Um, this has been especially true in the last, oh, probably the last four or five uh, regimes in our country, is that um, basically for profit and um, for to eliminate political enemies, our uh, our government has sought saw and fit to uh, to just to murder really, uh, whether it be via drone strikes or um, via political assassinations or whatnot. Uh, it's really abhorrent, right? Um, but but regards to capital punishment, um, listen to what uh, Paul says in Romans thirteen. You probably you don't you know the part about taxes, but listen to this. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. See Psalm two, right? And the authority that exists are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Then do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. And that's all presuming that they um, live according to God's word as well. For he is God's minister to do you good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword, death penalty, in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. All right. So it is not wrong for the state to take life. Um, of course, ex- exercised um, judiciously um, and fairly, and of, of course, according to the actual um, crimes committed, right? DNA evidence and whatnot maybe means that people sit on death row for a while, right? Until um, they can be, it can be fully vetted. Um, and clear that that the crime is actually theirs and deserving of death. All right. Um, so the question then, oh, Chris asked, this is a fun one or difficult one or fun, depending on if you like uh, such questions. What about abortion? Is abortion murder? Yes, of course it is. Right. Um, now uh, you get into a pretty significant uh, political pickle, if you like, uh, and some have done this. If if you advocate. Um, the death penalty for those who commit abortions. Um, it's a little bit challenging because uh, in many places it's legal, right? And it's legal at different stages in pregnancy, depending on where you live. So because it's actually not prohibited by law, uh, people feel they have uh, the permission to do so. Of course, denying their own nature, denying what they know in their hearts, which is the first problem, so a sin against God, um, but also then a sin against their neighbor, the, then the most intimate being the child in their womb. Um, so if you advocate for death penalty for those who commit uh, the murder of their children, um, you will uh, likely um, not be elected <laughs> and maybe worse. Uh, and uh, so I think we should be cautious about that. And, you know, it's a matter of what what is the best deterrent here. And so uh, we as Christians have taken a little bit different tactic with um, mothers um, who choose to abort their children. Um is that we, we we actually tend to be a lot more gracious with them than maybe we might be with, um, you know, the, the Waukesha you know, killer that drove through the parade last year, right? Um, and whether that's right or wrong, I think that's a difficult question, actually. Yeah, and before God, the judgment will be, that God will judge them. I mean, that's uh, it's actually a terror to women who, are, who live a life of, who want to repent, who desire to repent, um, and are truly sorry for what they have done. Um, and so there, especially, there needs to be um, substantial comfort um, given, forgiveness of sins. And of course, there won't be any legal consequence uh, for aborting their child. That doesn't mean that, that they don't suffer uh, the pangs of conscience, uh, rightly so, according to God's word. 
And so, um, as far as pastoral care goes, it's, it's significant, um, to counsel the woman who, who is brought to understand, uh, what she's done. Right. Um, but there is forgiveness even for the murderer, of course. All right. Um, what is God's chief concern though? Mm -hmm. After talking about this life and the reckoning for life, again, that's his alien work to take a life. He goes right back to what he said in verse uh, one, back to in verse seven again, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it, right? So rather than people be people of death, be people of life, right? By multiplying life, by uh, promoting life, think the uh, explanation to the fifth commandment, to help our neighbor uh, preserve his body and life, right? That's what it means to be made in the image of God, to be about life giving, not life taking. All right. Uh, what's What covenant then does God make? We call it a covenant here. Um, covenant could be translated any number of ways. I tend to translate it more as promise, uh, permissio in Latin, um, but you can you can use any number of things. Um, covenant though is a little bit stronger because it's a um, like an agreement or a, um, it's more than simply a promise. All right, testament is uh, the way the New Testament, you know, then um, the gospel Luther would have us translate, especially the Lord's Supper, as testament because it's attached to his death. Right, last will and testament. Here, what's the promise of the covenant, or the promise of the covenant, the agreement, which is really a one-way agreement in this case? God gives the rainbow as a sign, right, that He won't destroy the world again by the flood. Um, is that a, is that sign and promise still true? Well, it says it's an everlasting covenant, so it's still true, right? Um, by the way, then when you read, say, John's Apocalypse, or even uh, the the uh, Old Testament prophecies, like we saw in Ezekiel chapter one. What do we see again? We see the rainbow, the sign of the covenant promise, right? That God won't destroy the world by the flood. So the sign is attached to a word of God, a promise, right? We have that still in the New Testament. New Testament church has signs that have a promise of God attached to them. Of course, those are uh, what we call the sacraments, the mysteries, baptism, right? We've been talking a lot about baptism here with the flood because we have water and word, a water that kills and makes alive, just like baptism, right? Um, God makes great promises to baptism. You are my child, right? I forgive you and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, Lord's Supper is that way too, right? There's the sign of bread and wine underneath the sign. Um, by the word is Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of sins, truly present. And then, of course, absolution has a promise attached to it. Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven them, right? And the sign perhaps is uh, the pastor the one whom God has sent to forgive you your sins. Or maybe it's the word that you hear, right? Which is a physical thing. It's tangible, right? Sound. Good. Um, now, in verses 15 and 16, maybe you didn't catch this. I tried to emphasize it for you again. Um, but we have two expressions here. I will remember my covenant. And then in 16, I will look um, on it, the rainbow, to remember the everlasting covenant. So you notice that it's God who remembers the covenant when he looks upon the rainbow. Of course, we do too, but we should be reminded that God does not forget his promises either. That's what the rainbow is to be a sign for us. All right, um, then we have the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And who's the son of Ham? His son is Canaan, all right? Uh, of course, Canaan will come back. How is Noah described here? Like, like his father, Adam? Well, whatever, great, great, great grandfather, Adam. He is a farmer, you know, like a gardener. Uh, in particular, though, he plants a vineyard. Vineyards are, of course, a gift from God and often attached to a sign of God's promise. 
Uh, but here he gets drunk on the wine, right? And was uncovered in his tent. Hmm. Um, so we have two sins then being committed by Ham, his son. And notice it keeps saying Ham, the father of Canaan. And that's to indicate uh, that Canaan's going to bear the curse of his father, right? So two things. First, he saw the nakedness of his father and then told um, people what he saw. Right? You think, oh, this is just childish behavior. Well, um, this phrase, the nakedness of his father, it means something else in other contexts. And maybe it means the same thing here. All right, now you, you probably haven't spent time uh, studying this. So let's look at Leviticus 18, um, which are laws of sexual morality. All right, um, starting in verse 6. None of you shall approach anyone who is near of kin to him to uncover his nakedness. I am the Lord. All right, don't approach anyone who is near kin to him, near of kin, to uncover his nakedness. Now, what does that mean, to uncover his nakedness? Verse 7. The nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. She is your mother, you shall not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness, the nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, whether born at home or elsewhere, their nakedness you shall not uncover. It keeps going. Um, Your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So uh, this is an uncomfortable topic, but um, to uncover your father's nakedness can mean um, to have some kind of um, sexual relations with your father's wife, right? And so that that Leviticus 18 is the text that has to do with um, all sorts of um, laws against um, incest, I suppose is what you would say, right? Um, uncovering the nakedness of near kin um, means to have sexual relationships with them there in Leviticus 18, and maybe it means that here, yeah. Um, so why was it important to cover the nakedness of Noah? right? Just in a simple sense, right? It's important to cover over the sins of your neighbor. And remember, clothing was made to cover their shame, right? God did that for them. Um, On the other hand, we are not to have um, these kinds of relations with our father's wife because it's an act that brings upon us even more shame, you see? So it doesn't, by it's connected to the shame of Adam and Eve, and now it it uncovers more of their shame. We don't think of um, sexual relations in terms of shame for for the most part in our culture today. We do, of course, in the church, and we teach our children the same, right? Um, but there is uh, there's something lost, I think, by, how did I describe it on Sunday when we were thinking of um, the word that the prophet Ezekiel was going to be given to speak, is that um, he has, he's given to speak it to those who like it and like it not, um, and it should actually cause a, a kind of revulsion or uh, what uh, one person has called the yuck factor. All right. So whatever is going on here, um, it's abhorrent to God, right? And the and the right thing to do, of course, is to cover your cover for your father's shame rather than expose it, right? And tell others of it. Why was the curse upon Canaan then? Well, <laughs> now you might understand. Canaan may well be the son of this incestuous relationship, right? And again, this is just scripture interpreting scripture, just reading Genesis, the euphemisms that are being used here in light of um, the way they're understood later in Leviticus by Moses, same author, all right? 
Um, and so that's, of course, why Canaan would be cursed. It's not his fault, so to speak, but he's going to bear the brunt of, of the shame of his father and, and his mother. All right. Instead, Shem becomes the son of the promise. All right. So Chris asks, um, Ham put shame on his father? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I think that's right. And Ham himself should be shamed. And of course, Canaan is the son of that shame. It's quite a bit. Of course, we can talk about forgiveness, and that's what it means to cover um, for another's shame, right? To cover their nakedness, lest their deeds be exposed to the light. Instead, forgive them. All right. So God brings forth a new creation out of those whom he saved. The life he blesses, he also seeks to protect. The accounting for lifeblood would ultimately be given when the blood of Christ was poured out upon the cross. Through his blood, all men who believe are given the blessing of life, just as Noah was, and are part of the new creation by water and the word. Though men may forget God's promises, God always sees the signs he has given and remembers the promises he makes. The rainbow is a constant reminder that God will also remember the promise he makes to us in the waters of baptism and in the absolution and in the Lord's Supper, for his word endures forever. God has covered over our sin just as he did Noah's, and he bids us to cover over the sins of our neighbor. And so then to uh, Chris's question, uh, yeah, it's the cause or the start of gossip, and that is correct. Rather than reveal your neighbor's sin, you forgive it and thus cover it rather than reveal it to anyone else, right? So yeah, we have we have a double sin here. It does seem that Ham goes about bragging about what he did as well and then bring shame upon his whole family. Um, inc- incidentally, I think it's worth noting here that God said that the thoughts and intents of the heart of man were on evil continually before the flood, and then the family he brings out of the flood Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah and his wife, and Shem, Ham, and Japheth's wives, um, they bring sin forward. Um, so the flood does not bring about forgiveness of sins. It only destroys those who are sinners, but it doesn't ra- raise them to new life. So as I pointed out to the children this morning, um, I asked them, which is greater, to kind of quote Sunday's gospel, um, the flood or baptism? Um, they started. I think they started to get it. I said it to them last week. I said it again today. They're like, oh, the flood, lots of water, great death and destruction. And yet in baptism, we receive life eternal, forgiveness of sins now and forever, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And yet in baptism, it's only a little bit of water, you see? So they're understanding the, uh, the sub-contrario, as uh, Luther calls it, sub-contrario in Latin, right? That God hides himself under the opposite. Same thing here. Now, as impressive as the flood is, with a year's worth of uh, exile and water, um, it does point forward to baptism, but baptism is the superior thing, because it actually brings life and, and light to life. All right. Now we're seeing uh, Luther's paraphrase here of Psalm 46. Um, certainly, some, call it, some have called it the battle hymn of the, of the uh, Reformation, not of the Republic. Uh, I, I certainly think it's the it is, has a great tune, right? And it and it's a lovely text. Um, but the hymn that we're going to sing this coming Sunday, actually, I would suggest is the superior text. It's based on Psalm 12, which really Psalm 12 better encapsulates um, the purpose and work of the Reformation than maybe Psalm 46 does. Mm, that's a bold suggestion, I know. I'm not just being a contrarian, but anyway, um, you'll have to wait for that hymn on Sunday. 
But we'll sing uh, A Mighty Fortress this week to get ready for Reformation next Monday.
Okay, let's pray our collect for the week. Almighty and merciful God, of your bountiful goodness, keep us from all things that may hurt us, that we, being ready in both body and soul, may cheerfully accomplish whatever you would have us do. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. See, we pray today, well, uh, with Doug, who celebrated yesterday's birthday, we pray with Ansel, who yesterday celebrated his baptism, as well as today, Whitney. Pray for the households of our church, especially David, Neil, Wendy, uh, Stephen, and Penny, uh, Richard, or Dick, and Vicky, not Vivi, Vicky, Vicky. Uh, we also pray in anticipation for uh, AJ and Brenna, who will be joined in matrimony this weekend. Pray for our catechumens, Christian, Wyatt, Aaliyah, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee, and Kimberly. Pray for the um, ill, those who are receiving treatment or who are recovering, especially Marcella, Joe, Dale, Kelsey, Christopher, Dan, Brad, and Ron, Marla, Betty, Pat, and Heidi. Pray for our homebound, Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, Paul, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially this month, again, with Orphan Grain Train. Pray in intercession for uh, the preservation of the word and the increase of the church. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, it's been a joy to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. We come to you each morning, and I invite you to join us again tomorrow. If you uh, watch or listen later in the day, greetings to you. Um, I didn't greet actually everybody in the chat today. So we've got uh, Mom and Dad are there, Chris is there, Karen, all on Facebook, DeFresh is on YouTube. Uh, let's see who else. I think that's all who checked in. So uh, those of you who are watching stealthily, that's fine too. And those of you who watch or listen later in the day, greetings to you as well in the name of the Lord. Tomorrow we're going to uh, skip uh, chapter 10. So you can read that on your own if you want in Genesis. We're going to go right to chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel. Chapter 10 is the uh, genealogy of Noah. So you can go check that out if you'd like. All right. So God be with you all. Um, go uh, and rewatch or listen uh, to yesterday's uh, Bible class or sermon if you weren't there or if you... Uh, um, you know, wanted to see if you understood everything correctly. Always, if you have questions, comments, concerns, whatever uh, about what you hear, um, feel free to pass those along to me. That way, uh, uh, I'm always looking to improve. And if I can do a better job, uh, I'll try. All right. So God's blessings to you all, and we'll see you tomorrow.
We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.